Forever God is faithful. Forever God is faithful. That's forever, right? Oh, this, uh, we are actually in the book of Joshua today. Um, that's actually the way the, jo- the book of Joshua ends, talking about God's faithfulness. Uh, in fact, I want to open with this here. Uh, listen, I want you to listen to Joshua chapter 23. Looking at verse number 14, that's where I want to start this morning. Um, but just thinking about this fact that God is forever faithful. And I, when I think about this and in, in the, in the application of that, kind of moving into the 21st century, I, I think of the fact of, you know, uh, the parallel, I guess, with the Joshua story for us is, is that you look through that story in Joshua, all the way through that, and you watch God take and, and, and keep His Word. It starts back in Genesis, and it comes all the way through the Old Testament, and the whole time you're just kind of keeping an eye on how, and watching God throughout the whole way just keep His Word. He promises, and, he, and, and His promises come through. And, and I think that that's the same word, same thing today. As we read God's Word as we spend time together, we can watch God literally keep His Word within, within our congregation, within our individual lives. But Joshua, chapter 23, verse 14, God is forever faithful. God is forever faithful. Um, here's what Joshua says. Now I, am, now I am about to go the way of the, all the earth. You know, Joshua says, with all, your, um, with all your heart and soul, that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. I like that, right? When you see that? that that's really the story of Joshua. The God, God the forever God. The, the one who is always faithful. Now, I... I, I recognize, I'm, I'm certainly sure that you recognize that sometimes it doesn't always seem like, it, it seems like forever before you see his faithfulness. And I, I'm looking at this in light of watching what's happened in, in the Old Testament story. I, but I understand that dimension, that sometimes it seems, it seems to us as if God must be silent. How many of you ever felt like that? God is silent. Sometimes it seems as if the promise is laying there terribly dormant and nothing is happening. I mean, Israel must have felt that way. We first encounter the promise of the land way back in Genesis chapter 12. This opening appearance and call to the patriarch uh, Abraham included a promise of a land. He says this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. It says, Abraham or Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The, the, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar to the Lord there who had appeared to him. And uh, that's what it says. By the way, do we... Yeah, okay. That promise now that they will occupy this physical space gets repeated for us throughout 
Genesis, Genesis chapter 13, again in Genesis chapter 15, again in Genesis chapter 17, again in Genesis chapter 28. The book of Genesis actually closes in Genesis 50 with Joseph making sure that his children understand that he wants his body taken with them when they leave Egypt because it is, he is absolutely confident that they will inherit the land. 430 years pass. Sounds like a long time before you get to the promise, right? 430 years of waiting in Egypt while a nation gets turned into a body of slaves while people forget, literally, the presence of God. And yet God never gives up on the hope of land. And after they cross the Red Sea and they, they begin their journey toward the land and we, we read the book of Deuteronomy, we encounter the promise of the land again. Uh, the dimension of the land, 178 times the New International Version uh, shares all of that stuff. The land. In fact, Deuteronomy ends in chapter 24, verse number 4, with this statement. The Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. So here we are, Joshua chapter 1, sitting on the banks of the Jordan River, looking across to the other side at that land that they had anticipated inheriting for generation after generation after generation, the promise of the land. Joshua chapter 1, take a look at that. Verse number 1, this is how it starts. I love hearing the pages turning of the scripture, that sounds good. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. And from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore, I swore to, their, to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so the book of Joshua is the telling of the story about how God keeps his promise of the land, about this land that they for generations had been promised. And um, see, so you, you know the story as it begins to unfold there. They're lined up just uh, uh, not too far from, just, just a little bit away from the banks of the Jordan River and beyond which is the land which they've been waiting 
for uh, uh, waiting to inherit for generations. And they've already experienced having been here once before. Remember, if you kind of think back a couple of weeks, they sent spies in and, the, and they, they all kind of came back frightened. Um, and they frightened the people in, in turn, and, and God made them wait for 40 more years uh, before they would inherit the land. And, but now they're about to send more spies in. Two of them actually cross over the river, go into Jericho uh, to that city, and, and they're going to inspect the city. And they are discovered, and so they are hidden in, in Rahab's house and uh, Rahab was a harlot. She, she put them on the roof under some leaves or under some branches or uh, grass or things. Uh, um, and when it's safe, uh, she, Rahab helps them over the wall. And her, her house was a part of that wall of that city. She helps them over the wall, sends them back home. They go back home. They tell Joshua different story than 40 years prior to that. This is a marvelous land, they tell him. We can do this. We can do this. And so he, he says in three days we're going to cross the land, get ready, we're going to cross the, cross the river. One member of every tribe stands on the banks of the Jordan River at flood stage. And that must have been a powerful, powerful image. All of Israel is standing there watching. They've not had that experience of the, the, uh, the Red Sea, you know, parting, except for maybe some of them as little children. And in their memories uh, of stories that their parents or their grandparents may have told them, because that generation had died in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness. But they're about to see it again. And so on command, they step into the river. And it's just an amazing story in the book of Joshua that it's just these priests, as they, it's at flood stage. They had to actually, and it parted. They had to actually take the first step before God would actually part that. Uh, it's just an amazing story. Um, but on command, they step into the river, and as soon as they do, the, it stops from flowing. And in front of their very eyes, the water just simply piles up. And they have the opportunity to draw, walk across on dry land. And so here they are, a whole nation of people, again walking across a riverbed on dry land to the other side. They walk out the other side to have Joshua say to them, we need to build a memorial. So, our, um, so what I want you to picture is, and I, what I would, had hoped to do today is to get a bunch of big boulders and have some guys bring in some or our kids maybe bring in some boulders and build a big memorial up here. But they actually, they went into the riverbed and they, they were each, each of the 12, they chose one person from each tribe to go in there and to grab a big, I, I don't know how big these are. I get the understanding that these are massive stones. You know, what our kids would have been able to do is bring maybe some little stones, you know, and we could have built some kind of a memorial up here in the front here. I, I get a picture that these are big things. These are, these are big. Because, um, so big rocks, big rocks out of the middle of this river, 12 of them, large stones, they pile them together, they make this kind of a memorial place. And anybody seen any, any standing rocks anywhere? Any memorial type things? We're kind of like, what's that doing there? Where, where did you see something like that? Oh, up around Prairie du Chien. Up around Prairie du Chien, they have something? Standing rocks, anybody see something like that? 
Three chimneys? Yeah, that's right. Anybody been around uh, Wisconsin, other places, and seen stuff like that? Where? What do they mean? Okay. Well, we have. So these are these are massive stones. Now, I you you got to picture this. I mean, because this is the the these big rocks coming out of the river. Twelve of them large stones. They're piled up on the banks of the river, so that the people would see that this was the place that the Lord had acted. That's that's what they want them to see. You've got this. Um, it was put there. Uh, these these these. These rocks were put there in such a way that chapter 4, chapter 5 remind us this pile of rocks was a memory that God had done something absolutely incredible and magnificent in that experience. It's something that, in fact, when, when asked, you know, why the pile of rocks? Why? The answer was so that your children, when they pass here, and your grandchildren, when they pass here, they will ask you, Grandpa or Dad, you know, what is that for? Why the pile of rocks? And you'll say, this was the place. This was the day that God performed that miraculous, remarkable work in our presence. So it, it had to have been something large enough that, you know, it wouldn't just be hidden under the grass and you wouldn't see it. You know, it, it was something memorial that you're walking by and you're going, wow, what's that for? It's big. It's a pile of rocks. Five times in the book of Joshua, at various points along the way, they built piles of rocks as a memory for the activity of God. There's something about what God does in the life of a a person that He desires us never to forget. That's that's the story. It's it's really His, His story, but... But what he doesn't want us to forget is where his story intersects with our story, where his story intersects with yours and mine. The point of this, of of this whole little exercise of looking at at Joshua, the point of telling the story for the past several weeks is so that we won't forget the story. That we won't forget where our story as individuals, where our story as believers, where our stories as uh, um, um, as, as a church where it intersects God's story and acts in our lives and, and God acts in our lives in ways that make you want to set up a pile of rocks so that you won't ever forget, never, ever forget what God has done. In fact, I think that's a great idea for us at New Life. Um, you know, think about the history of, of this congregation. To think about where we have been and what God has helped us to accomplish right here in the midst of, of Roqua. And then to begin to tell that story. I don't know that all of us know that story. Um, I, I, probably half of us know that story. But to begin to tell that story, maybe write that down or, or simply just share that story and, and be thinking about that story and be excited about that story. But we need to tell that story. We need to share that with others, how, how God has just worked in each of our lives and how he's changed us to, to tell the story how he's worked in, in, in your life through, through new life. It's, it's because we don't want to forget the story because 
You see, that is the story. God is forever faithful. God always keeps his promise. But that's, that's what we have been doing in this series. We're simply being reminded of the story. In fact, there's a fellow by the name of N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, uh, he was a professor somewhere, a New Testament scholar, um, good guy, not important, uh, all, the, all the credentials and everything else. But he says that the story of the Bible is actually God's, God's story, he says, is a drama that can be, it can be shared in five stages, he said. And there is simply this, and it's, it's incredible how he does this. He says, creation, fall, promise, um, then redemption, or, or the cross, and then new creation. Creation, fall, promise, the cross, new creation. That's the story of the Bible. Pretty simple. Remember it again? Creation, fall, a promise, the cross, new creation. And I think I can remember that, right? Did you notice that? I didn't even look at that, right? So I mean, That's how easy it is, right? I just wanted you to notice that I didn't even check my notes on that, right? You saw that, right? Say, so, yeah, just humor me. Um, but that's the story, right? It's, it's, it's the story of how God has intervened in the life in life, in order for us to have that experience of knowing him personally, in the recognition that he always keeps his promise. And I, I don't know what promise is more important to you, most important to you at this point. Whichever one it is, you, you, you need to understand that God always keeps his promise. But is it the promise to, to, to forgive that encourages you the most? I mean, that's the top one on my list. That God is God forgives. It's interesting. Matthew West, we we saw him in, in concert, and his his song that that resonates probably the most with me. I, I have that playing all the time in my in my in my truck. And the song that whenever it comes around, I got to crank it up, and I got it's not a it's not a it's not a big beat one like you can jam to it. It's just the words are so powerful, and the title of it is simply this: forgiveness. And he talks about forgiveness and how, yeah, nobody ever deserves it. Nobody ever, and it's the hardest thing you could ever do, but it's so necessary because it just relieved. The fact that God forgave me, it just resonates with me. That, that's, that's the greatest promise for me. That, that's really high on my list. The fact that God has made a promise that if I confess my sins, that he will forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, that is, that is an important promise that I live with every single day. But maybe it's the promise, I will be with you. That's another one way up, on there, up there, isn't it? I will never forsake you. We saw that, right? It occurs so often in just some incredibly key places throughout the Bible. I hope you noticed it when we read it through and went by in Joshua chapter 1. I will be with you. We notice it in Matthew chapter 28 uh, where he says, go into all the, all the world and, and preach the gospel and, and, and all these things. But in, at the very end of that passage that we call it the Great Commission, he says, I will be with you. We notice that in Jeremiah chapter 1 when he calls Jeremiah into ministry and he says, I, I don't want you to be afraid. Don't be afraid because I am 
with you. But that is such an incredible problem. And I just gave you three. There's multiple, multiple times that I, I think it's one of the promises, one of the things that he says throughout Scripture that that he it's that one and do not be afraid. How about that promise? Or you know that he, that I'm part of that promise of, of of I will be with you is the fact that he says don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you. Right? That's incredible. And and he says it over and over throughout in Scripture. Maybe it's the promise to guide you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. That's the way the NIV says it. I like that one. Because I, I have a tendency to want to do this. To zigzag. He makes my path straight. And if you were here last week, you maybe re, may remember that we were talking, we talked about experiencing the blessings of God in your life. God makes this promise. He says, if you put me first, if you give me the first fruit of your labor, remember what he says, try me in this and see if I will not pour out more blessing that you cannot contain. And so the challenge is to put God first, or to, to and well, that, but to put him to the test, to see if that promise of blessing doesn't occur in your life and mine when we literally put God first with our first fruit, whether it's tithing, whether it's offering, whether it's, whether it's your marriage, whether it's putting him first in, in, at, at, at where you were at, or during our, at our workplace, whether it's putting him first through our service. And I guess the point of all that is God wants to be first in our lives. But this is the story of the story, that, that God keeps his promise. It's, it's the pro, it, it, is, it the, is it the promise to the parent that says, if you will bring your children up in the Lord, God is going to bless that. Or the promise that if we are faithful to him, that he is going to bless that. Or the promise that if we continually commit our lives to him every single day, that he is going to bless that. And we begin to see the fruit of new life in Christ. This is the story, by the way. I believe the story of why we exist. We, we don't exist to have church. We don't exist to tell stories. We really exist to tell the story and to see people respond. One of the things I think that is so incredibly important for us to understand is that in, in, keeping a, in the keeping of God's promises, it's not just ancient words. It's not just promises from an old book about another people. It is, it is a contemporary promise to you and to me. And it's easy to point out in Scripture how God said, I will give you that land. And, and literally, he gave them the land. The book of Joshua talks about them taking over all of Canaan and settling there and <coughs> their property. But, but that story really has continued generation after generation, I believe, right up to the 21st century in a town called Baroque, Wisconsin. Now, I want to close with this. 
And then I want us just to, to just close together in prayer. But I just want to spend a few moments as a congregation just thinking about this. Maybe at this time, as we're talking about this, we can think about that and we can pray about this. But praying for new life, praying for our ministry here. But let me just ask you that we use that time to pray specifically for new life, for our ministry here, for lives being changed through us. But I want you to hear the story of of God's faithfulness first. The story of new life, Christian church, is, I believe, I think it's, 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 it's remarkable. It seems like really yesterday. And time really flies. It sure, you know, I mean, doesn't it? It just flies by. But New Life began in December of 2009. And we began meeting in the Waldorf School. And when we started, we had to set up chairs in our sound system. We had to do that every single week. And then we, after the service, we would, to- we would tear it all down. And then we'd set it up, and then we'd tear it down. And then we'd set it up, and we'd tear it down. And we'd do that every single week. We did that. Uh, but that all changed in September of 2011 when we began to, when we made that transition from the Waldorf School to this place right here that we're meeting in. Um, and so some of you remember that. There's a lot of excitement when we came right here, and, and so many pitched in. They, so many made sacrifices and and that we could begin worshiping in this building. That was really a significant change. That was really an important change. That was an incredible change. Um, And yet even, I think, more significant than that, exactly two years later, after meeting here, after having been met here at 834 North Main, we actually made uh, another important change. And with the help of God, we purchased this building. So that means that we've been here for seven years. We have um, owned this building for five years. Now, I've always said that we really don't own this building. Maybe we should say that. We don't own it. Should we say that? We don't own this building? Let's say that. What? We don't own this building, right? It really belongs. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. It really does. Um, it, it, it just really it means that, that, that it's changed ownership. God is now became and now is he's now the owner of this building. Yet I certainly believe that God gave us this building to use for his purposes. And even though we don't own it per se, we have been given the property and the privilege to be stewards of this building. And so we praise God for all he has done and and here in just again in in, in just a few moments as we as we pray about that just thanking God for his faithfulness in bringing us here. But I want you to hear this. God is forever faithful. God always keeps his promise. That's really the story. And that is the point at which God's story intersects with our story. And when we think of new life, it's not as if God was faithful. Let me say it a different way. It's not as if God was faithful, but it's God is faithful. And I think that we see that in the things that God has accomplished through us. Um, so next week when we have our clothing giveaway, <laughs> um, we praise God because he is faithful, right? And that's, that, that's really been the story here, whether it's, it's, it's a clothing giveaway, it's a hot dog giveaway, or we hand out school supplies to, 
to uh, and backpacks to some kids or, or our pennies to the, the poor or our contributions to the food pantry or the Bethel Boutique or the Operation Christmas Child or the sock drive, you know, I mean, <laughs> I know we used to have a big Awanas program here for, for a season and, and I, I don't have any doubts that, that at some point in, uh, in the future we'll have something that would be like that, maybe not Awanas, but something like that. But, but I just really get excited when I start to think about what we've been able to do, not just with our kids, but with our adult ministries, with our men's and our women's ministries. With I get excited when I think about the missions that we support and how we interact with those missions, like making chili for Cornerstone. You know, we did that last year. Um, I'm excited about our ministry to the residents at Creamery Creek, which, by the way, this afternoon on Mother's Day, we're we're going over to Creamery Creek. We're going to minister to those people. There's some incredible, incredible people over there. Um, half, at least half of the 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 residents that we minister with, they got about 15. Well, sometimes, depending on the day, um, are in the memory care part of that. But but what a joy it is to work with them, and and what a you know something that's very necessary, I think. And and God uh, loves those individuals, uh, those people there too. Um, I get excited about the faithfulness of God's people here to make a difference. And I get excited about our fellowship times, our, our, our campfire times, our fun together, our, our, our games, e- even if it means getting together for work cho- projects around here. Um, speaking of which, I want to just kind of throw a couple things in your head um, or just something to think about because there are a couple of upcoming projects that we need to, we may need some help with. And um, one of his is this fence out here blew down again. The, not the post that we just put in, but some of the older ones. And, we're, and so just keep your ears open because we're going to probably be needing to fix that. Uh, need some bodies over there to help to, uh, to fix some of those broken posts out there. But, and then also I just mentioned the, the water line, the water main breaking here. Um, we're probably going to need some some help on the financial side of that, just to kind of. I think I think we think we think the insurance is going to cover everything except our deductible. So that so pray about that, right? Um, but that's uh, kind of put a little ripple in the water there for us a little bit. But I think we'll I think we'll survive that. But just to let you know that that's coming up. But but really, here's what I really want. I, I don't want you to leave without knowing this. This is really what I want to say. God is forever faithful. God always keeps his promise. That is really the story. So as, as we close today, I just want to ask that you would join with me in praying for our congregation and the, the activities that go on here, the ministry that goes on here, um, the recognition of God's faithfulness to us as we seek to carry on his mission here in Baroqua. So can we do that? Can we just take about four, three, four, five minutes and just, and then we'll close. That'll be the end. And happy Mother's Day to our moms. So let's pray together. God, we are so incredibly thankful, so grateful to you for all that you do. You are forever faithful. And 
God is amazing to watch you work. Help us not to forget that this, I, I guess I'm just reminded of, of the things that, that took place in, in all the battles in the book of Joshua and just times before that when whenever people stood out and thought it was them that had to carry the weight of everything and, and forgot about you, it's, it's like you didn't let them win battles. But when they recognized, in fact, some of those battles that, that they won, you, you made it so powerfully clear that it wasn't them that did it. 300 people in Gideon's time. Um, the battle of uh, uh, the walls of Jericho crashing straight in and all they had to do was march around a city. Um, made it pretty incredibly clear that it was all about your power. And so we are so thankful and just want to share our gratitude for your, your faithfulness in keeping your promises to us.
Father, I would pray that you would allow your spirit to be just visible in some incredible ways, that we would be able to see the activity of your spirit just moving and, and catch on to that uh, wave and, and ride that and, and just see... Um, just see, see and watch you move. Uh, help us not to doubt that you can and do incredible things. And, and also just to look back, to be reminded of how you have acted and done incredible things uh, in our lives or individual lives or even in, in our lives here as, as a church. Um, you are incredibly faithful. And as we leave this place today, we... We, uh, we carry that with us in our hearts and we ready, ready ourselves to go out into the streets of our, our, uh, our personal space here in Viroqua, our communities, wherever, wherever we're at. And we ready ourselves to make that our story. Um, not just the stories of how faithful you have been to us, but how faithful God is always, forever, and willing to be faithful, or willing to do incredible things in, in, in all of the life, of, of everyone's life. Um, that's the kind of God that we serve, and so we just honor you today. We ask that you dismiss us today with your blessing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.